I'm Jennifer Delacuadri, and this is the Raising Happy Teens podcast, where you learn how to successfully guide your teenager into adulthood without losing your sanity in the process. Let's do this. Welcome back to the podcast. If you are anything like me, you have heard the term intuitive eating, and maybe like me, you've wondered, what the heck is it? And is it something that I would like to do or introduce to my teen? And so I invited my friend, Victoria Yates, to the podcast for this special episode. She is an intuitive eating and body image coach for women, and she specializes in helping women to stop dieting and love their bodies through learning how to eat intuitively. So listen in to this interview with her. She really shares a lot of information about intuitive eating, but we also talk a lot about disordered eating, which I know is something that I have struggled with in the past and a lot of teens are struggling with right now. So this is definitely one for you to listen in on if you'd like to learn more about intuitive eating. Enjoy. Welcome back to the podcast. I am here with my friend, Victoria Yates. She is an intuitive eating coach, and I am just so excited to have her on here to talk with you about her expertise. So welcome, Victoria. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for having me. Would you tell us about yourself and what you do? Sure. So I, as you mentioned, I'm an intuitive eating and body image coach, And I like to say I help people stop struggling with food in their bodies for good. I, um, my background's actually nursing. So I was a nurse prior to my work as a coach now. Um, I live in Greenville, South Carolina with my two little ones. And yeah, I got into this work really from my own struggle with food and my body starting from when I was a teenager. So when you asked me to be on the show, I was like, yes, I would love to, because I, for many of my clients, I, they start struggling with food in their bodies in the teenage years. And that's usually when they start their first diet. And, you know, I'm working with, you know, I work with women anywhere from college age up through, um, through any time in their life. But, um, some, you know, they'll be in their, you know, sixties even, and be like, I started dieting when I was a teenager. And it has been ever since then that I have been struggling with food. And so I'm just excited because I think this is such a needed topic to talk about. And, um, you know, anyone who has teenagers, I think this is, this is a really important thing. And I think a question that I get asked all the time is like, how do I, help my kids not have the same struggle with food that I have or that I had. And how do I raise kids who are intuitive eaters and who are confident and have good body image and self image and don't struggle with food and feel like they have to go on all the, all the diets that they have been on. So I think this is so good that we get to have this conversation. Yeah. And it is crazy how often food, body image and all of that comes up in my conversations with the teens I work with. Even just yesterday, I was talking with one of my clients about her struggle with binge eating at night and getting into the reason behind why that happens and her fears about what will happen if she continues to binge eat. And 
it's just a big mental challenge. It's a hit on everyone's confidence and it starts, it starts a big deal, a a bit, a lot (laughs) in the teen years. And I know that the moms who listen and, and I'm speaking mostly about women, just like the women you work with. It is very much a female thing. That's not to say that the males don't struggle with it as well, but predominantly the teen girls I work with, it's like the number one concern that they have on their mind. So I'm so excited to hear about that and um, learn from you, for myself and for my clients and for my own teen daughters. (laughs) So you mentioned that you had been a nurse or you are a registered nurse. What got you into this line of work that you're currently in? Yeah, well, like I said, it was, you know, food and body image struggles were something I dealt with for a large portion of my life all through like starting in late middle school, you know, around like time of puberty, which is when a lot of women first start struggling with food and body image stuff um, all the way through college and a little bit after college. And I was, I like to say I was like the A plus student of dieting because just part of my personality, I'm like a rule follower. I'm a, you know, have a lot of perfectionist qualities and I, you know, initially when, um, you know, I look back and I see like kind of when my first, when I first started struggling with food, it really started off like very innocently, like I just want to be healthy, which is a, a lot of times how it starts. Um, so I did what anyone does when they are looking for what to do about something. And I went to Dr. Google and asked Google, you know, like, what do I do to be healthy? And of course, everything that you get uh, when you look up how to be healthy really is basically just dieting and all the rules like eat this, don't eat that exercise X amount. Um, so I kind of just like, that was the start of just starting to develop and, and have all of these food rules and this way of eating that for me became really obsessive so much so that it became really unhealthy, both, both physically, um, you know, parts of like systems in my body stopped working from just like being overly, um, obsessed with health and over exercising and also mentally, like mentally I was, I was really struggling. I had a lot of anxiety around food and like eating the quote wrong thing and missing a day of exercise. It was impacting, my relationship with friends and, um, you know, impacting just like the joy that I could, you know, felt in my life. And so that was, I'd say it was like, it was, it was also really confusing because like I said, I was just, from my perspective, I was just doing everything right. I was just doing all the things that you were supposed to do. And, um, you know, me personally, I, uh, you know, I ended up developing an eating disorder. That's what it turned into. And it was also confusing because like outsiders and, you know, friends and just people who knew me, I found, you know, they would praise me for being so disciplined and having so much willpower. And I mean, they didn't know what was going on, but it's like that just solidified, like I'm doing something right. And I started to feel like, oh, I'm getting praised for this. So it just like worsened, you know, my disordered eating, my eating disorder, um, it wasn't for me until I met my now husband, where I just realized like, I 
can food and exercise and just this obsessive way I was thinking about health was taking up so much time and energy and mental space that I knew it was, you know, I could see how it was impacting my relationship with my friends and I could see how it was going to impact, you know, my relationship with my husband. So that was really what started me to heal that and to let go of control a little bit. Um, and then it wasn't until a couple of years later, I learned about intuitive eating. And I think, so for me, it just clicked instantly. I was like, wow, like we really can just listen to our bodies. We can trust our hunger cues, our fullness cues, which really, you know, if people will probably talk about this, but intuitive eating really is about listening to the cues that your body gives you for how to eat. And I think for me, it clicked so quickly because of just my nursing background and having that background in how our bodies work, it just made so much sense. And so that was, I like to say like the last nail in the coffin for me, for my eating disorder. And from then on, I just start started to practice listening to my body. And, um, you know, it was a practice of like building up this trust with myself. Cause that is a big thing. Like the overarching thing that my clients struggle with really what it boils down to, they don't trust themselves around food um, and maybe they have a lot of evidence for that. Like you said, like binge eating, um, you know, maybe they have a lot of evidence that says like, oh yeah, when I don't have these rules, then I binge, but we can talk about like what leads to binge eating. And a lot of times it is that restriction that leads to binging. Um, but anyway, that is really what it looked like for me to go from that, like obsessive place with food to where I am now, which is like food just feels really normal and natural and like eating is easy and it's not something that I overthink or stress about or struggle with. And I also just like eat a really healthy balance of all foods. I enjoy, you know, like having last night, we had some cupcakes that my husband brought home from work after dinner with my kids and not feeling bad about that, but also like enjoying nutrient dense foods like salads and fruits and veggies and like whole grains, all those foods. So, um, that is how eating feels for me now. And if you would have asked me if that was possible back in middle or high school, I would have said no, but it is eating doesn't have to be such a stress or struggle for people. I love how you brought up the fact that when disordered eating starts to develop, it's coming from a place of, I want to be healthy. And then so many of my clients and the teens I work with have these perfectionistic tendencies and they are looking for the external feedback versus the internal and trusting themselves to make the right choice. And so when they get that positive feedback from the outside, it actually worsens the cycle and the disordered thinking about food and body image. And so it feeds into that perfectionism a lot. And I'm wondering, could you talk a little bit about for my listeners who are parents, what are some of the signs that may may indicate that there's a, a sh- like a tendency toward dor- disordered eating. Mm-hmm. So what I mean is like, I know you talked a little bit about eating disorder and disordered eating. There is a difference between the two. Disordered eating is not a diagnosis, but it's something that can lead to an eating disorder. So what might be some of the signs of a teenager developing disordered eating? Yeah. So I think something to just look out for is some 
like talk about feeling anxious about certain foods, um, feeling like anxious about like maybe eating, you know, desserts or carbs. Those are oftentimes, or fat, like those are like typically the things that, um, you know, start off and like, those are kind of the, the quote, bad foods that our culture labels. Um, so just starting to like, maybe say, you know, maybe stop eating even like foods that they used to love. And then all of a sudden now they're like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm not going to have that. Like maybe they love chocolate. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, now I'm not going to have that. I think that's a really interesting thing to just start to observe. Um, definitely if a teenager starts to pre-portion and like measure, like really get obsessive about like different, like measuring different foods or measuring what they are eating. Um, that is really interesting to just like observe. Cause that's a disordered eating tendency. Um, and I think also like being aware of like any kind of like hiding foods or feeling guilty or like eating in secret is something to just look at. And I really do love just to go back to what you said about there is a difference between disordered eating and an eating disorder. Cause I think that's really important to point out. I, I talked to obviously a lot of women who, you know, about this topic and I have never run across a single woman who doesn't have some kind of story of struggling at some point with their relationship with food. And maybe they didn't have an eating disorder, but there is such a spectrum here. And I think that a lot of the, the really hard thing is disordered eating is almost praised in our culture. I actually saw a reel yesterday of like a celebrity talking about how she was eating. And she was like talking about how she was eating with like a health professional. And it was like so many red flags, like all disordered eating yeah. slash eating disorder. And, and so I think I, think that's I know who you're talking about, <laughs> <laughs> but we won't say any names, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I was like, oh my goodness. Like this is being portrayed as like, this is the healthy thing to do. And it was like, they weren't eating anything hardly all day. And I'm like, this is not good. So I think it's just important to see like, because you don't like disordered eating can for sure very easily lead to an eating disorder. And I do want to say too, that, um, any kind of dieting behaviors, because, so that's like counting calories, counting macros, um, even like, like I said, like, cutting out food groups. Those are all like dieting is the number one predisposer to developing an eating disorder. So we want to just be really cautious of that. And that being said, like we want to be really cautious about putting our kids on diets. We don't want to put our kids on diets. And I know that's like a big thing right now in the, with the um, American Academy of Pediatrics, where they're starting to talk about like, or there's now been talk of like, um, diet prescribing diet pills for teenagers and that's like approved now. And so I actually worked in pediatrics. That was um, one of the areas that I worked in as a nurse. And I, I mean, it's the worst thing because these don't have a lot of research behind them. And they're just like, just setting our kids up for a lifelong of like, number one, having a horrible relationship with food and themselves. 
Um, so I think that's just something we don't want to put our kids on diets. I think that's, um, I stand very firm about that because it can just set their, set our kids up for really unhealthy behaviors. So rather than focusing on like, I, maybe we can talk about this. This is like another thing we could get into is like talking about, well, what do I do if my kid does need to like make some changes health-wise, or we see they're like not eating super healthy or like not wanting to eat healthy or like not exercising, like what do I do versus put them on a diet? But anyway, (laughs) I'm so glad you mentioned that because as a mom and a woman who has struggled with weight, struggled with disordered eating, body image, and all of the things, I can project my fears onto my kids. I don't want them to get made fun of like I did, or I don't want them to feel bad about themselves and all those things. And some of the clients I work with talk about how their mom wants them to be healthy and exercise. And it's all coming from a place of fear versus empowerment and health. And the parents, the mom doesn't even realize what she's doing because she thinks she's being helpful. And what it leads to is these teens I work with hiding what they eat, feeling guilty if they eat something that's not quote unquote healthy. And it's not done intentionally and it's not done with malice. So what can a mom or a parent do to help support healthy eating and not let it lead to something that could be disordered? Yeah. Well, my, my advice always first and foremost for parents who ask this question is number one, to do this work for yourself, especially if you struggle with your, your relationship with food or dieting or your self-image because kids are like we kids mirror what they see their parents doing and what they see their parents, how they see their parents thinking about themselves. Like I can say for myself, my, my mom and dad never said anything negative about my body. They never said like, you need to go on a diet, but I picked up on that because I watched how my mom talked about food and how my mom ate and how my mom talked about her, you know, her body. And I say this with all love. Cause like it, I, I, it's never something like I blame her at all. And I think that's important to say too. Um, because this is, this is the culture we live in. That's like, that was like the thing you do and we didn't know any better, but now, you know, we're starting to know better. And so I think it's really important to do this inner work yourself and your kids, like that's going to be the greatest teacher for your kids for them to see, oh, like my mom, like speaks positively about her body. Like that's like such a foreign concept or like my mom's not going on a diet anymore. Okay, cool. Um, I think that is really important. I think second to that is just, I think we can encourage. I loved that you said the words like coming from this place of empowerment versus fear. That's something I talk about all the time. Cause I think that's the biggest difference between, um, like when we think about how dieting talks about health, it's very fear driven. It's very much like do this or else. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it just isn't sustainable when we think about when we're driven by fear. Um, and it doesn't really work. It's not a great, like, it's a good, like 
initial kind of driver to motivation, but it's it not feel good. good. It doesn't feel good. Yeah. So I definitely love to like, think about what is going to empower. Like when I think about myself or my clients, like what's going to feel empowering. And I think if we can think through that lens, like, how am I going to, how can I empower my child to make these changes? And like, how can I encourage them? Um, I think that's a really good lens to think about. I also love, there is a, um, registered dietitian who her name's um, Ellen Satter. And I love her, her concept when it comes to feeding our kids. And it's a little bit different in the teenage years compared to like, I have toddlers. So it's a little bit different because her whole philosophy is as parents, we provide, we, we provide the what and the when for what our kids are going to eat. Like we provide what they're going to eat and when they're going to eat and they get to decide, am I going to eat this? And how much am I going to eat? So with that, like as parents, I think it is important. We can, we get to decide like, what do we bring into the house as far as food goes? And it's not to say that we can never buy like quote junk food or like candy or sugar. I think it is important to bring those foods into our house. So they're not this like forbidden off limits thing, because when something, when those foods are this like off limits thing, then our kids are going to tend to like buy it for themselves and like hide it and not, and be secretive about it and then probably overeat it. So we want to just like normalize all foods, normal, normalize the sugar, the carbs, all the things, but then also make sure that we're buying like healthy, nutritious foods too, and stocking up on that. And, you know, maybe you do like give them in uh, one of my clients, she, uh, we came up with this idea of like, after, after school, she like makes a little spread of like, these are the snack options. And she has a variety of like hummus and veggies and crackers and cheese. And, you know, like puts out like a really nutritious spread. Like this is the option. And, you know, we know teens, they love to just like, <laughs> they can tend to like, you know, not want to make something for themselves maybe. So it's like, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to take this easy. something easy. Yeah. I didn't want to say lazy because they're not lazy. <laughs> no, but, no. Um, but just like easy that, um, so I think that that can be something to think about is like, let's provide the, the options and provide a variety of all types of options. So it's not like, um, so they, so they can feel empowered and like, I'm going to choose this thing. Yeah. And then like the other, like the other like junky foods, I hate using the word junk food, but I feel like most people kind of know what we're, I like to use the word like fun foods. We include like fun foods in the mix as well and not make them a forbidden thing. Yeah. And I, it's funny because I never wanted to be the mom who was sitting at table at the table and everybody else is eating birthday cake and I'm not. And of course that doesn't mean I always eat the birthday cake but I eat it if I want to. And it's kind of funny because recently I have started paying a little closer attention to what I've been eating and, you know, logging my food just to be aware of I'm getting enough protein and things like that. And my, my girls, they recognize it and they saw it and they're like, are you on a diet? And I'm like, no, I'm just trying to eat healthy. Like I'm trying to like never say the word diet. And we all just kind of laughed about it, you know, but mm-hmm. it's like, I was swinging in the complete opposite direction. Like diet is a bad word. 
So that being said, let's talk a little bit about intuitive eating. And can you tell us the difference between a diet and intuitive eating? Yeah. So when we think about, um, intuitive eating, it is a, it is really a framework that helps you to get back in touch with your body's natural biologic cues with eating. So we think about hunger, fullness and satisfaction and basically eating according to those cues that your body gives you. So I like to kind of think of like intuitive eating is like very much internal, whereas dieting is all external. Someone else is telling you what to eat, how much to eat, when to eat. So it's pretty much the exact opposite, right, of dieting. It's listening to yourself. And if you're hungry, you you eat. So with most of my clients, I notice they are so used to listening to the diet, listening to the external, that they don't even know how to listen to their internal cues anymore. Um, So I like to think of it, it's like a muscle, right? Like if you don't use a muscle, it atrophies, it becomes weak, and it doesn't function well, and it doesn't, you don't use it as well. So we have to kind of build up that, that muscle again of learning to listen to their own body cues as far as how to eat. So learning how to like actually notice when they are hungry. A lot of times what I find is they notice when they're like ravenous, but they don't maybe notice those like early hunger cues. So we get, we work on like helping them get more aware of those like early hunger cues and actually eating according to those. And then noticing when they're full and stopping at that point versus like, I've eaten X amount of calories. So therefore I am done or I've eaten at, or I, I ate at this time, so I shouldn't be hungry until this next time, right? So it's it's getting back to just really using your own body's cues for for how to eat. And it kind of it's a good practice for all areas of life. Mm-hmm. And it goes along with like when you're feeling tired, you rest, and when you're feeling energetic, you move. And when you're feeling sad, you allow yourself to feel sad. And so often we try to stuff down the feeling of hunger because we feel like we shouldn't be eating yet. We shouldn't be hungry. We're too overweight. We don't deserve it. All those other reasons. And when you learn to just trust yourself, that's when you feel healthier on the inside and on the outside for sure. So I love that idea. And I'm wondering, would the approach to intuitive eating be any different for a teen? I, I'm trying to think here and I really don't, I don't think it would be, I really don't. I think because it's just listening to your individual body and, you know, I think it's the cool thing about intuitive eating is like, once you learn how to do it, once you learn how to listen to your body through all life stages, you just, you do that. (laughs) Um, so I think it's the same kind of similarities and differences as far as, uh, or the same, the same things are, are hard is a lot of times, you know, I like to think of when we are born, we are born as intuitive eaters. When we come out and, you know, we start eating babies cry when they're hungry, they like pull away when they're, when they're done. We have that as an innate skill. Mm -hmm. 
And then a lot of times we just lose touch with that as we, as we like get in, get older. So I think for teens and adults alike, it's really about just getting back in touch with listening to your body. So do you have any tips for people who don't understand what it means to listen to their body? How would they start to do that? Yeah. So I think one of the best things that you can start to do is just number one, if you aren't eating super regularly throughout the day, um, I think that's a good first place to start is make sure you are eating breakfast. I think that's a big thing that I see with my clients is they maybe don't wake up super hungry and then they kind of like go throughout their day and Um, a lot of times what I see is, you know, not eating enough earlier on in the day and then getting to the end of the day and then feeling like that hunger drive is so crazy that that leads to overeating. And it's like, it's almost, I almost feel like there's this period of time as you're starting to just first listen to your body where it's like those, like I said, those, those cues are a little bit muted. So we almost want to number one, create almost a little bit of some structure. If you're not already eating pretty consistently throughout the day, start with eating breakfast. And, um, you know, I think just start, if you're not eating breakfast, start there. Um, and then just starting to get curious about like, what does, what does early hunger feel like in my body? As I said, a lot of times we tend to notice late hunger first that like ravenous, like lightheaded, dizzy, like hangry (laughs) feeling. We notice that because that's like very loud, but maybe we need to get a little bit more in touch with what does early hunger feel like. So I can share like a couple of typical signs of early hunger that you want to just start to be aware of. Um, One of them that I think is really, um, it goes like unnoticed a lot of times is distraction is like we start to just get a little bit distracted and we start to just think about food. A lot of times that happens and we're like, oh, it's not time yet. You push it down, you stop. And that's what leads to like hunger becoming so crazy. And you have those late hunger cues that lead you to overeating or feeling out of control with food. So start to just notice like when you start to get distracted and start to think about food or like have a little bit of stomach emptiness feeling. Um, and then same goes with fullness, start to notice, like, where do I feel not only just not, 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 um, not hungry anymore. I find a lot of people are so afraid of actually being full because they equate being full with eating too much and gaining weight, but we actually want to like feel fullness. We want to not just no longer be hungry we want to be full and really satisfied. And when I talk about satisfaction, I like to think in my mind of like, it's almost like you ate that meal and it's like, you have this feeling of like that hit the spot and I can like push away from the table and like go about the rest of my day until my next meal and not be thinking about food anymore. Cause how, I don't know if you've ever had this happen where you've, you've eaten something and then it's like, there's, you finish, but it's like, there's still something missing. So we want to get to the point where we feel satisfied. Maybe that's, you know, something that I also want my clients to, or ask my clients to think about is making sure they're eating foods that they enjoy and things they're craving. Um, and like making it a pleasant experience because that is what's going to lead to you being satisfied and not 
continuing to like search for the next thing to eat or like thinking about eating. Um, and so those are some things to think about. So hunger, fullness, satisfaction, just start to get curious about this. And I also, um, if anyone is wanting something to help them with this, I have on my website, a free guide that will walk you through a day and kind of give you some prompts as you're going through your day to start to practice becoming more aware of these cues as you are eating. Oh, that's so good to know. And we're definitely going to have the link to your website in the show notes. So if you're listening, you can find it there. And I just love the idea that when you think about your teen being healthy, it really does start with you and you work with women and the women that are listening, I'm sure that they would love to learn more from you. And I would love for you to share with us, how can people find you? Where can they learn more about intuitive eating and possibly work with you? How would that, how would that work for them? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I would love to get to know you and, um, hear more about, you know, where you are. And so you can learn more about me at my website, which is victoria-yates.com. And I'm also over on Instagram at non-diet underscore RN. And I also have a podcast called the redefining health podcast, where you can come listen and, um, learn more about intuitive eating. And if you're, if you are interested in learning more about working with me, I have both one-on-one and a group and we can book a free consult call, which you can book at my website too. That's so great. I am so glad you came on this podcast. This information, it's like barely scratching the surface of the amount of underlying challenges that we all have with eating and body image. And it's so nice to have an expert on here to talk about this. And I know I learned a lot and I'm definitely going to be downloading your guide. And I just really appreciate you taking the time to come on here and help us all out. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thank you, Victoria. I'm like trying to turn it off. Stop recording. Oh, there we go. If you liked this episode, I want to invite you to follow me on Instagram at jennifer.delaquadri, where you'll find more tips, inspiration, and connection to help you navigate this unique and sometimes challenging season of parenthood. I'll see you there. Welcome back to the podcast. If you are anything like me, you have heard the term intuitive eating. And maybe like me, you've wondered, what the heck is it? And is it something that I would like to do or introduce to my teen? And so I invited my friend, Victoria Yates, to the podcast for this special episode. She is an intuitive eating and body image coach for women. And she specializes in helping women to stop dieting and love their bodies through learning how to eat intuitively. So listen into this interview with her. She really shares a lot of information about intuitive eating, but we also talk a lot about disordered eating, which I know is something that I have struggled with in the past and a lot of teens are struggling with right now. So this is definitely one for you to listen in on if you'd like to learn more about intuitive eating. Enjoy. <laughs>